Right. Okay. Okay. Let's let's do this. Let's let's do this shizzle. Hiya, and welcome to ANF Podcast with me, Scott Cat Rennie, and him, Al Coates. What was that? You went blue, 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 blue. Oh, did it all? Did the internet? Al Coates. I forgot to say it's episode one hundred and fifty-five. Oh yeah, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. We're, we're, we're one by five. A, we're back That's in our little one. studios. Yeah, one, a five, and a five. Yes, we are. We're not in the cold. We're not no. chittering away. We've not got a building site in the background. Well, yet. I haven't seen well, one lately, but you know. There's time yet. Yeah. Yeah. There is. Where are you, Scott? Because I'm looking at you and you've got a stuffed, what looks like a stuffed cat on your shelf. No, that's a horse. That's a wooden oh, a horse. Stuff, I was going to say, it's a stuffed horse on your shelf. It's a very small no, horse. No, it's not stuffed. Um, so Where I'm at my friends and came. I met my friends in Cambridgeshire. I left you on Thursday. Yes, we were together Thursday. That's and true. That's true. Went to see friend of the show, Shona White. Uh huh. Had a, a lovely catch up, very quick catch up with her before she went off to do a launch of one of her new shows. Um, and the next day I had um, a little bit of work to do in the morning. And then I came up to Cambridgeshire and I've been here ever since. I was picked up by my oldest son from the train station. It was oh, that favour returned after so many years of driving him around. You know, <laughs> that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. anyway, it, so yeah. yes, here I sit in Cambridgeshire till Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a few things we need to kind of um, polish off. Um, um, mm. I, I think that we should do it and maybe do it a re redo the recap. At the very like give five minutes of how the ARG went because there's a few people who couldn't quite listen because the sound of burly men oh, drilling things. Sound quality, even of our live videos, was terrible. I watched one of them back. I was like, we can't even hear oh, each other. Oh, I know. Other. We yeah. must try harder. Must try harder. Oh, I will honestly. The, the, the team are Useful. on the last warning. Yeah, our cameraman Dave. Um, uh, <laughs> so shall we do that? And then we've got Sam Turner from Kinship, who's come on, and it was kind of talking us through the. In, by the time this goes out, we might have a government response to the care of you, but we were Ooh, talking about anticipating really. what was going to come and um, some of the issues that are facing Kinship at the moment, which I think was really interesting. Um, yeah. Look, I'm going high energy. I'm talking really quickly. Oh, yeah, I'm doing very, very well. Yeah. Oh, another um, coffee. So, I will have another coffee. So, Scott, <laughs> quick reflections of the meeting on. Thursday, we were up to the ARG, our Doctor Reference Group, which has kind of now gone solo and floating without the leadership board hovering around. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, do, do you, can you recall the things we we did and said, and what was the takeaway? Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm still feeling quite positive about the whole thing. Actually, I think it's still, you know, still yeah. um, there was nothing that struck me as, oh, that's going to be an issue. Um, I think what um, uh, the, my biggest reflection that I didn't mention the other day was just how I guess independent the group has come um, yes. because it was you know when it was first established it was very much well it's done geographically and actually there was questions asked on Twitter over the weekend which I didn't get involved with because um, it, well for various reasons anyway um, so initially it was set up geographically it was it was kind of um, contributed to by um, those who were involved with Adopted Voice which was the Adoption UK kind of thing that I- happened a couple of years ago with a couple of independents. I'm talking about the SUG. I'm not talking. Yeah, I know you're going to come from it from a different perspective, but no, I I, I totally you've everything oh. you've said. I totally agree with. But what I think the thing is right, you're not okay. saying oh. is that actually that's all adoption UK. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's how I initially started. Apart from you and Jenny and Sally Donovan was a a, a part of it initially, but she yeah. very quickly realised that she you know it was quite a commitment. Um, um, you guys came from the expert advisory group, um, and the rest of us really came from Adoption UK. Um, and yeah. what I'm thinking now is, yes, there was you know there was still representatives from Adopted Voice there, um, but really it was fifty fifty split um, in terms of who was there. You know there was we were quite yeah. a few independents yeah. there. Um, and I think, to be honest, it's the kind of group that needs to be independent and it needs to have those, um, you know, not not that kind of, that track of voices that, you know, oh, this is what's happening in adoption. And it's very kind of led by, you know, no offence to Sam or anybody of, of his colleagues in the sector. But when it comes to policy and things like that, it's very, you know, these organisations become, can become very focused on their specific um, thing. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, you know, whatever it is. They're, they're, they're kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's where the independence comes in of it, really. Um, you know, that that that's the way it should be. Um, and it's still probably quite geographical, but um, 
you know, yeah, it was, it was that that was that was my main reflection after being away from it. Now is just how independent it has become, and I think that's a great thing because we can sit and we mm. can actually share what we want to share, um, rather than you know the the kind of the the themes of any organisation. And yeah. that was that was clear from those that took part as well. You know, there was, um, you know, there was no party uh, think, line. Yeah, it was, there was more than fifty percent actually independent now. Um, obviously, some are still connected to organisations, but um, certainly, you know, it just felt it just felt it felt like we were all on the same page, and we all wanted the same thing, and we all respectfully yeah. challenged our position yeah. as an ARG. Um, and you know, we gave them feedback about the last couple of years of the ARG because it's not been, you know, mm. it's not really felt like we've we've yeah we've achieved much yeah uh, and i think that sarah jahal um caught, who was there uh, and she wasn't chairing the meeting so it was a bit no there was a, i feel like there's still like who is you know who is uh, as a group who's of individual adopters what well, as a group do we want a boss or do we want to come individual um and i think that sarah jahal actually brought it up about our independence um mm. and so there are there are national groups there's groups in the southwest there's um there's people like we are family there's people like laps yeah. which is uh, what does laugh stand for Leicestershire, Leicester. something, something. Yeah, so that's that's that well, well, that world famous group, Leicestershire, something, something. <laughs> um, please email well, in. Well, Michelle, who used to do laughs, she's she's left ARG, yeah. hasn't she? So we don't yeah. have her there just to kind of keep up, keep us on track because yeah. Michelle did that yeah. right now. Um, yeah, and there's the, yeah. there's the potato I, and group. And Sarah well. is a. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, it was a potato group that asked if there were if anybody represented them, um, yeah. and no, they didn't. But you know, that's not that's not anything that we're responsible for. We're not in, we're not in charge of you know the the kind of membership of that group. Um, however, if um, you know if potato group want to want to um, speak to us, then we can certainly um, put that forward as a as a thing. What? Well, I guess that's no the, the, that's the where there's a bit of murky, isn't it? Because who, yeah. how do you get onto the group, and who, who draw? Because there's no lead, there's no in, like no one leading the group, so there's no one yeah. sort of saying, "Oh, this group consists of this people." And so yeah. it, it does feel a bit murky and a bit. I would imagine if you're outside of the group, then that would feel mm. oh, that would feel like a closed shop. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's, and how do you, you get know, on? And and I think the interesting thing is that some of the experiences within our um, within those that are members of the ARG would be very similar to. You know some of the experiences that come out of the potato group. It's just that they're not there to represent the potato group. So, you know, we have um, people whose children have been uh, criminalised. We have um, children who've gone back into care. Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. We we have that kind of that experience. However, it's not. You know, we just don't represent a, a specific group of people, do we? Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's you know, there's upsides to it. There's downsides to it. But yeah, definitely, definitely. Um. Well, any. Uh, yeah, so that's um, that's all good, right? I am conscious that um, uh, I we're running on a timetable, um. So the next thing is that we've got Sam today, um, mm -hmm. Sam Turner, and uh, I think that it was a really interesting chat. I don't want to put too much meat on the bones there, really, because I think it speaks for itself. Yeah, I think it that we'll itself. be having, yeah, we have another conversation coming up soon, don't we, in relation to. Um, what the response to the care review will be, but we probably should save that till we've actually had the response. And I just exactly. want to clarify: in the meeting, I don't, I haven't booked the DFE, and a, and the person who told me it was the twenty fifth isn't from the DFE. Just to say that <laughs> they're, they're totally. Uh, but I also saw someone on social media hinting strongly that it was going to be really imminent within the next few days. Yeah. So um, this has been recorded on the twenty first, so we're going to do that. Cool. Okay. We well, shall let's see. It'll probably be, well, I, I bet you'll be five five o'clock on the twenty fifth that it'll come out. So nobody can say anything till after the weekend when it'll all go. It's like that school email yeah. or that school phone call half yeah. past three on a Friday, you know, where there's yeah. nothing you can do about it until Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the twenty fifth is a Wednesday, so that oh, doesn't yeah. work. Uh <laughs> oh, you said the twenty first day. It's twenty third. Sorry, I apologise. Yes, no, it's it okay. Right. You obviously cleared. Well, Scott, it's I, I I do have to shoot off and be somewhere else. I've got a thing to do. I've just realised. Um, Fabulous. And so, on that note, uh, in other words, Al's bored. So bugger off. No, Scott. I'm not bored. I have just literally realised that I've got something to do. Um, oh. uh, so on that note, uh, look after yourself. You stay do. well. Yes. Um, and I will speak to you soon. Lots of things happening, but we'll maybe have a proper full-on uh, catch-up podcast catch up. in a week or two. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Enjoy your Gregs. I will. Thank you. There's still some festive bakes they're getting off the shelves. <gasps> Evo. I know. It's a dirty, dirty trick. Bon Jovi.
anchovy. Today we are speaking to Sam Turner, who is the head of uh, policy and public affairs at Kinship, formerly Grandparents Plus. That's that's Scott being clever and being PR ah. for you. <laughs> and hello, Sam. Hello, thanks for having us. Well, thank you for coming on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we spoke to Lucy Peake a few months ago, and she said, oh, this is the guy you need to speak to. She said, oh, I I'll come on, but you really need to speak to you. But Sam, <laughs> tell us, uh, which well, is very kind, or maybe she just really didn't want to come on. Very good. Uh, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Door swings both ways. Um, Sam, could you just give us a brief introduction to who you are and what that actually means um, in kinship? And if you want, could you give us a little bit of a preamble? Because I know that um, I, I was stalking you earlier today um, on... Uh, LinkedIn and uh, saw that you used to work for Become. It's a bit creepy, isn't it? Because you see me lurking, <laughs> lurking in your profile now. Will be the joys of the internet. internet. Yeah, Indeed, that's what LinkedIn is for, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so obviously my name's Sam, and uh, currently working at, at Kinship, formerly known as Grandparents Plus. Um, and so my role really is all around how we're using evidence, particularly at Kinship. Um, to make a case to decision makers, primarily those in government and parliament and local authorities, um, about the need for change, really policy and practice change around, around kinship care. Um, but yeah, my background uh, before this kind of worked for Become, again, in a sort of policy and participation focused role, thinking about how um, the charity itself works alongside care experience young people to influence its kind of policy messaging and how it does it, its work around policy and public affairs. Um, so I've got a bit of a, yeah, I guess a little bit of a background there in children's social care. Um, but before that point, actually, I was kind of more in education more broadly. Um, had worked in a few different roles, particularly around widening participation in higher education. So thinking about which groups of students um, are currently underrepresented in higher education. And of course, care experience young people were, were one of them. And that was how I sort of first got to work, um, particularly with, with care experience young people. And that's kind of what led me to to work for become in that first place. So yeah, I guess my interest has always been around young people, um, social justice, education, um, and now particularly around children's social care. Cool. Well, I hadn't stopped you, so I knew none of that. So that's great that you've been able to introduce yourself. And of course, if you work for Become, then you'll know our good old friend, Hugh Thornbury, who um, yes. is chair of trustees there. Um, we haven't spoken to him for a while, actually. I think mm. he's, uh, he's too busy climbing. He is, yeah, <laughs> and teaching other people to climb, I think. Yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really, I, I was, I am aware that it's been in, I mean, it's always a busy time for kinship and kinship care is always sort of floating around the agenda. But I'm really conscious that um, the last sort of six months have been quite a remarkable time for kinship, uh, lots of anticipation. So could you give us kind of a, a potted history of like where we're at and what, you know, what the care review said and what you're hoping for? Of course, yeah, you're right. It is a, a really exciting, really busy time. I think anticipation, excitement, as well as a, a bit of nerves is probably fair. Um, we were really kind of excited by what the Independent Review of Children's Social Care had to say around kinship care um, when it was released back in May. And, you know, I think we, we termed it around it marking a pivotal moment for kinship care. And I think that is fair because it was really the, the first well, government commissioned, reviewed to, to stand up and actually, you know, even just use the phrase kinship care, actually, mm. uh, and to to speak about it in the kind of terms that we've been hoping that someone or something will speak about it for, for quite a long time. Um, you know, it spoke about kinship care as being this kind of unheard majority um, who would, you know, for many, many years had been missing out on the recognition and the support that they deserved. And I think those words were the kind of words that kinship carers and kinship families, many of whom had been campaigning for these kind of things for years, had been waiting for. Um, so in that kind of broader recognition sense, um, that that was really, really um, welcome and really, really, really good to hear. I think when you boil down into the sort of detailed recommendations, again, we were really pleased. There were lots of things that kinship as an organisation, Grandparents Plus before it, and, and many kinship carers had been campaigning for for years, particularly around financial support, which has kind of always been one of the, the strongest um, policy calls for, for us at Kinship, but also around things like kinship care leave, um, making sure that 
legal aid and legal advice, provision of kind of information advice, peer support and training more broadly for kinship carers was in place. Um, you know, all of those were were quite strong recommendations, as is inevitable with these things. They never quite go as far as you'd like. Yeah. Um, you know, other bits that we felt they'd missed out. Um, but the the challenge, I guess, and the kind of opportunity since that point has really been trying to generate all the additional evidence we think the government might need to make the decisions that we'd like them to make um, and to try and make sure those recommendations that the review made are being heard by those who need to hear them and that they are given all of the information that they need to to push ahead with a lot of the really positive ones. And um, so that's kind of yeah, been really the last, um, how long has it been? My maths is bad, about nine months or so of work since that point. Yeah. Mm. I mean, kinship, is, uh, I think kinship itself or special guardians as well. I mean, I don't want to lump them together, but, you know, because they can sometimes be very different. I mean, it's, it must be at least 10, 11 years now since the kind of, it was kind of requested that um, authority agencies looked more at children remaining within families um, and that being recognised. And I, th- I mean, I used to sit on a panel that used to um, look at permanence, so special guardians would come forward and stuff. And the one thing that I thought was that um, it was it was almost a given that that was going to be, you know, the, the decision was already made before they came to the panel kind of thing, because it was keeping children within their, their families. But the one thing that always struck me was the training um, that, you know, families would get because, you know, it's, it's not, you know, may have underlying conditions or um, you know diagnoses that you know people might not be able to kind of manage if you like but also the financial side so has there been like a even though you know the care review has has kind of pointed out all these things has there been any change in that in the last 10 years or is it still kind of you know very much yes that is going to be the decision um, and you know we might give you a couple of quid now and again um, and you're welcome to come to the training that we put on I definitely think in in some respects local authorities have and others you know have moved on quite a lot since that point and i think compared to say 10 years ago or five years ago there are a lot more local authorities now who we consider to be pioneers or kind of leaders in practice in terms of how they're supporting yeah. encouraging and supporting kids with care arrangements so i do think there's a lot of excitement um that is kind of sitting in, in that space kind of preemptively, if you like, almost of any kind of statutory or legislative change which comes in that forces local authorities to, to do something. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff around, I think if we think about the financial support, particularly local authorities who are realising that actually, if we remove this really invasive, challenging means test that's associated with the special guardianship allowance, if we get rid of this, kind of quite odd when you think about it in a logical sense, two-year transitionary period whereby family circumstances haven't changed at all, but we decide that actually you've, you've had the financial support that that family might need for two years and then we stop it. By removing some of those friction costs, those barriers that actually prevent families from flourishing and thriving, um, it actually ends up being much better for the children, much better for the families, and actually much better for local authority finances too, because that family continues mm. to get the support they need to thrive and doesn't have to return for sort of much greater support in the future when crisis has happened. And my colleague, former, uh, actually came to a colleague, Dr. Paul McGrath, who was a sort of policy and practice advisor. He's now went back into, into practice, actually. He did a report for um, the since since terminated an Ocean Special Guardianship Leadership Board around financially supporting special guardians that highlighted mm. some local authorities like Leeds and Shropshire, Brighton and Hove, who, you know, are doing this work and realizing and that ahead of any, you know, real impetus from central government, that that's the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, that's a long, long way of answering the question, Scott. But yeah, I do think there is there are pockets of um of really, really good stuff happening yeah. around the country as well. Yeah. So it is more best practice at the moment than legislative change mm-hmm. which you know yeah. i think is you know legisl- legislative change takes a while doesn't it you know indeed it does yes yeah <laughs> um I-, I was conscious at the beginning i should have maybe um that I'm, I'm conscious of the people who maybe aren't aware of the scale of the of the issue really so i mean have you got uh, the what's the latest figures in relation to the number of children uh, who are living with family members in sort of a kinship arrangement yeah. and does kinship just work with families who are 
who have got a legal order or uh, you know is there a kind of is there a boundary around that or is it just anyone I'll answer the second bit first, if that's all right. Um, just because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, Kinship works with absolutely anyone who is a kinship carer of all forms. Um, and that's kind of actually one of the the big things for us is a recognition that actually kinship care exists out of those arrangements that are secured by a legal order. You know, the majority of kinship care arrangements, as far as we're aware, are these informal kind of private family arrangements. Mm-hmm. And our evidence and, you know, working with kinship carers suggests that actually they have very, the children have very, very similar needs and experiences. The families themselves have very, very similar challenges. And often, sometimes by deliberate decision, sometimes by sheer luck, they have ended up going down a different route. And one of the things that we're really keen for the government to recognise and do is to end some of those kind of silos that exist between aspects of support for different types of kinship carers. Um, but yeah, in terms of your first question around data uh, and around that really important question of how many mm. kinship children are we talking about here um, is, a, is a good one. Actually, we're still very reliant on data from the 2011 census. Um, there was a sort of piece of analysis done by um, Denithi, who's a researcher at the University of Bristol, um, who analysed the census data to look at how many children were living with. Actually, this was just family relatives, so it doesn't even include kind of friends, carers, who, if you like. Um, and that suggested that there were kind of over 162,000 children growing up in kinship care across England and Wales. And, you know, that's about two and a half times the number in foster care, um, if I remember incorrectly. So we are talking about a scale here that's quite different yeah. to other aspects of children's social care, for sure. Yeah. And, and does that, I mean, it seems that that's always just been hidden, but also the sort of a culture or a a stereotype of well that's what you should do you know if if your granddaughter or your niece or your nephew is in dire straits it, it, there is an element of that being well just what you do so do you is there a sort of a do, do you think that there's still this battle to get support because people sort of think well isn't that just what families do definitely and i mean that's something that we hear quite a lot is this idea of well that's that that is just what families do and and, and in some respects they're not wrong it is what families do and it's what mm. they've been doing for you know millennia is stepping up at a moment's notice in a crisis situation i think the the difference with what we're, we're sort of really trying to say here is that actually those families are stepping in and the love that they have for the children that that kind of love that acts as a protective factor for that child and allows them to deliver the stability and the support that they need is has been taken for granted uh, in, in policy terms and that has massive effects for children and their families in the future and um it's one of the reasons that we kind of launched our big campaign um, in October that's called Value All Love and the message there being that we're looking for decision makers and government and parliament and elsewhere to to value the love that kinship families have and Mm. deliver the support that actually would allow those families to to thrive and to, to be as successful as they possibly can be because again these are children who in the vast majority of cases as far as we are aware would otherwise be going in the local authority care system who would be looked after mm. who would be going into foster or residential care and you know while that will always be right for some children um there are like you know grandparents aunties uncles friends who are stepping up to do the right thing and there it turns out there's a real significant cost to doing the right thing both mm. emotionally practically financially um and we think it's right that children are being sort of kept where it's possible within their, their families. But to suggest that, you know, just th- that love is going to pay the bills, that that love is just yeah. going to, you know, do all the things that, that families might might need is, is quite naive. And so that's, I think, what we're really look, looking for in terms of that recognition of kinship care is, is a form of care in its own right. And that needs the kind of support um, that... Yeah, that family's are, that are really crying out for. Yeah. Um, I'm conscious that uh, I've done all the talking. Um, Scott, any questions? <laughs> well, that's nothing new, really, to be fair, is it? <laughs> that's, that's fair. I do ask a lot of questions. Um, I did that. Sorry. 
I did have a question. That's maybe I, I feel like we're, I'm, we're maybe scattergun and asking just questions, and there's no sort of clear narrative thread. But that's just for ropey interviewers. Um, I was I'm really conscious uh, local to me of a few groups. Um, uh, and you, you know, we both live in the northeast, don't we? Quite close yeah. to each other, just coincidentally. Um, and I'm aware of little local peer support groups. Um, that are doing do amazing work, you know, um, like there's uh, grandparents, grandparents together, grand, grandparents in Wall's End. You know, the, they've all got a, a theme, but they they embrace people. Is that something that uh, is there a kind of a unified or a uh, a kind of a systemic network of little community groups, or is it just a just a scattergun? Uh, where does kinship fit into that? Because they're they're little pockets of you know people doing their best. Are they linked in or? What's the what's the national picture in relation to that sort of peer support? It's I guess it's a bit of a mixture at the minute. There are some groups that you know have organically started, like you say, often a group of grandparents who have come together and realised that actually this kind of support system of, of peer support is making a massive difference to us, and it could make a massive difference to other people, and so they will campaign and invite others along and, and get going kind of themselves. Um, in some cases, often. Kinship as an organisation or Grandparents Plus previously might have been commissioned by a local authority in a particular area and actually had set up a peer support group as part of that work. And that may continue to still be run by a kinship or it may have actually have taken on you know, its own sustainable life after that point. And then in other circumstances, in particular in the minute, um, one of the things that we've been doing a lot in the past sort of year and a bit has been establishing new peer support groups ourselves, again, with the intention that they become sort of self-sustaining after a certain amount of time, kind of volunteer run and led. Um, and particularly that's been important because, like you say, actually in the Northeast, like th there's a good kind of community of, of peer support groups that exist. And, mm. you know, my colleague, um, shout out to my colleague, John Hesita's, you know, incredible work in the Northeast, especially at kind of bringing those support groups together um, and establishing networks where they can kind of learn from each other and things like that. But there are lots of places in the country that just don't have any peer support right. groups. And there are, you know, carers maybe luckily, you know, Googling, searching for stuff for the first time you want coming across things. So, yeah, one of the big things that we're able, that we're just sort of doing at the minute and um, kind of will be available sort of soon via, via Kinship is... A really sort of up to date, strong map of where those support groups are, which ones are being established, how to get involved, how to contact them, so that if you are a new kinship carer and if you're googling special guardian support, then you're able to get that information straight up. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that, that I, model that model sorry. is quite unusual, though, isn't it? As in, you you set up and then it establishes itself and and becomes self kind of. Well, not self-run. Well, yeah, self-running. I guess. Um, I mean, is that is, is that something that a decision that was consciously made? Is that to give ownership back to you know the, the people that can you know decide what they want to do and stuff? I mean, do you continue to kind of provide them with some elements of funding, or is it literally just you know, here you go, it's established now, and we will step back? Or I guess yeah, it's for a few different reasons, and and realistically, I'll probably ask my. Uh my colleague who, who runs that part of the thing to come on your podcast next time and he'll give a much more thorough and recent explanation than I'm going to do so right now. But um, it's, it's a mixture between there are areas of the country where local authorities will commission kinship to deliver services, one-to-one um, -one yeah. support, and as part of that, we'll establish peer support groups and kind of run and uh, run them. And, you know, that work is funded, I guess, in that kind of direct way. There are other areas of the country, particularly with our new kind of national peer-to-peer -peer support service, where the intention right from the beginning is that these are we will support volunteers who want to come forward to establish peer support groups in their local area, provide them with the kind of training, the scaffolding for how that might work, all of the resources that might need, all of the, you know, bring those volunteers together to think about, all right, what might happen in this quite challenging situation and how might we navigate that, how to apply for funding themselves. Um, but I guess there's there's a recognition that actually in lots of circumstances, those things are best led by the people who, and you know, lots of our staff at Kinship will be will um, have experience of being a kinship carer themselves. But thinking longer term, those those are groups are best led and, and sort of steered and managed by those who are living in the area all the time and have the kind of knowledge and expertise of solely that local area. And um our kinship carers themselves and, and can kind of take that forward and champion it. And then 
there may there is always going to be a thing that a role for for others to be involved and help and support but it might not be that actually it makes much sense for one single organization to kind of control i guess and, and sort of manage every aspect of that because mm. i've um i mean even just in the northeast i it's not uncommon for me to sort of bump into people who are you know, attending stuff that i'm doing and oftentimes i'm saying oh you're, oh you're a kinship carer are you linked into this group and that group and it's just remarkable how many people don't still don't yeah. know that stuff's out there and i think the benefit of peer support i mean in any regardless of whatever the issue is or the challenges it's just people who get it but also we can become quite a a spiky voice to the local authorities can't they that they kind of yeah which is you know back to policy and public affairs isn't it they can often be doing a great work in the local community to advocate for services i guess yeah, um, definitely. And they've also got a lot of expertise themselves. You know, I've sat in kind of peer support groups or actually situations where actually it wasn't intended to be a peer support group, but it's just kind of arose out of that situation. And there's the, the level of expertise and knowledge there is in kinship care is around or how you navigate that part of that process or who in the local authority you need to speak to to unlock that thing is mm. is enormous and i think that that is also a part of the there's a real kind of you know practical technical element i think sometimes to the peer support groups alongside obviously the emotional and um yeah sort of friendships that that appear there yeah. too yeah yeah so in terms of the 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 report the care leavers report and i mean do you guys have any idea of any of the recommendations yet, or is there, or is it all top secret, hush hush? I mean, one of the, all that sort of stuff. I mean, unfortunately, Ooh. you know, we we don't see the the text. Like, well, you know, I wish, I wish. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> make your a, job a, easier. A draft, yeah, I know yeah. when just that I could see exactly <laughs> what it was they were committing to and when and how much and that kind of thing. So, no, unfortunately, we don't. Um, I mean, obviously, we've been working really closely with the Department for Education. And actually, one of the first things they did after the review was published was establish for the very first time an alternatives to care and kinship team at the DfE, which, you know, for us was a really good signal of the strength yeah. of actually the government's and the department's plans for kinship. Um, and, you know, we've been able to, you know, build a good relationship with the staff there and kind of make sure that we are... Mm trying to collect evidence, trying to deliver the kind of information and insights from our work with kinship carers and, you know, from kinship carers themselves that we think is going to be of most benefit. So, you know, we're hoping that there are some things that the government will be able to move very, very quickly with and um, that, you know, as we were speaking earlier, legislative change takes ages and yeah. there are some things realistically, if we're thinking about our big ticket items like financial allowances, like kinship care leave, that they're just not going to be able to say, all right, we'll, we'll introduce that on Thursday. You know, that's going to have to take realistically years yeah. of legislative scrutiny. They've got to, um, you know, bring in that process in, in, in a way that, you know, is reflective of the, the size yeah. of, that, of that cohort. They've got to make a spending review bid to the Treasury, all of those different things. Yeah. But that still doesn't mean that the response shouldn't make a really, really strong statement about the department's recognition that that is the right thing to do and that they are going to be doing everything that's in their power to work towards making that a reality. And mm. I guess the, that's the bit that is still a bit unknown for us. We don't quite know the wording on the page. We don't know exactly yeah. what it is they're, they're going to say. And then, yeah, there are other bits that we're hoping they'll be able to pick up and run with quite quickly, particularly, you know, around things like um, support and training, example, if I can carers. Mm. Um, other things, I think, especially some of the the reviews recommendations around earlier support for families in the context of family group decision making and family network support plans again you know a lot of that stuff they they absolutely couldn't introduce tomorrow because actually you know technically some of it it would be illegal to do in the system that we have now and so that's going to take a lot of kind of refining and practice over the next few years so yeah i guess what we're hoping for in the response really is that we're going to hit the ground running and we're going to announce some stuff. It's going to kick off really soon. And we're going to give some very concrete funding towards that along with a, you know, recognition that actually this other stuff's probably going to take a bit longer, but what we really want to see is that a strength of, of commitment in, in the, in the language towards making that a reality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And 
how um, I don't I don't know if you know this, but the Special Guardian Reference Group. I mean, obviously we have the Adopter Reference Group, which Al and I attended last week, and that's been confirmed um, at least for a year, um, given the the closure of the ASGLB. How useful has that been in terms of you know you guys um, and an actual fact for families, you know, who take part in that group? Is, has I mean, has it been has has there been a good take up on it? And you know, what what kind of things are you know seen as positives that come out of that group admittedly there were probably this is probably a question that lucy is going to be better set to respond to than i am if i'm brutally honest um i don't want to yeah i don't want to yeah. speculate on yeah on, on stuff that oh, no one no word. one's gonna listen just speculate <laughs> be fine be fine just you know when's your annual appraisal do you you're out of probation though now aren't you I think so, so, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so. Right, let's just lean no, into it. But just no, just but tell I, us what you think. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I say obviously, like, no doubt, you know, I know people who are on the group and that, that it's going to be monumentally helpful. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the sort of like in our workings of it, realistically, I'm just not the best person to, to give you a good answer for that one. Sorry. Well, I mean, if it's anything like the adopters reference group, you know, there's there's going to be some changes yeah. made um, straight away um, since the closure of the SGLB, and Absolutely, certainly, yeah. you know, the 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 meeting that we had last week was really really useful and and seemed like a a new dawn, if you like, mm. or a new era of of these groups, which you know, hopefully they'll continue. Um, and and yeah. you know, I think it's fair that you know, um, special guardians are are able to to take part in that as well. It's Absolutely. Really important. Yeah, and give the kind of the recognition that you know this isn't just an add-on to adoption. This is its mm. own thing. Adopt this is a you know it deserves its own you know uh, you know system, mm. um, just as much as, as special guardians and other kinds of carers do as well. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's interesting as well how many um, special guardians are caring for children of their adopted children. Mm -hmm. I think that's quite a you know there's there's quite a you know, there is a crossover, yeah. it's separate, yeah. but there is quite a crossover in it as well, isn't there? So, yeah. Definitely. And, you know, there were people who I'm thinking about, uh, sort of Janet Kerr, who is, you mm. know, a kind of trustee, was obviously yeah. a member of the Expert by Experience Board on the review and yeah. is now part of the, the Children, the Implementation mm. Board, who, you know, has that experience of being a soft Janet Kerr yeah. care and can speak, you know, with a huge Very amount well. of expertise and insight yeah. about, about the differences, yeah. the similarities. And, mm. you know, that, that kind of insight is obviously the kind of, Insight that's going to be extremely helpful for the department. Yeah, yeah. and I, I knew Janet way back when we launched nice. Adoptive Voice at Adoption UK, and um, mm -hmm. you know that's it. Just seems right that she keeps on going with that conversation. Yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah, I've, like... I've, I've cut you off three yeah. times there. No, I think it was I... needed because you've been yakking on. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. it keeps me <laughs> in my place. Um, I, I just think it's a, it is a really interesting time because um, special guardianship has always been. I think it's always been in the shadow of adoption. Um, and, you know, I think the number of SGOs of kind of the the, the orders has, has now surpassed them of adoptions. Yeah. And it feels like the right time. It's not that we should put adoption in the shade, but it feels like, you know, we should bring um, special kinship, well, kinship into into the sunlight and, and really shine a light on it. I mean, I'm I'm optimistic that we're going to get the government's response this week. That's the word on the street. Okay. Um, uh, I, I was told the 25th by someone. I can't, I don't know why they knew, but they told you me. You and your contacts, seriously. Well, honestly, it's the, it's the coffee machine. I've got it bugged at the DFB. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. no, he really has, actually. Yeah. All no. of them. <laughs> I, so, so, How many coffee uh, machines does the Department of Education have? We were there That's last the real, week. The real and, story of this. Yeah, well, we were there <laughs> last week, and, and we were in this room, and there was little black things hanging from the ceiling, and we were like, "Ooh, are these microphones? Yeah. I don't know." You know, apparently, we were reassured that they're not, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so it looks like it's a, it is looking like it's going to be a really exciting time, and I think it's it, you know there's not a what it's odd in that there's not one single voice in opposition. Do you think there are going to be people who are going to say yes, but when because it's clear that there's going to be there is going to be a, a tranche of of things for kinship, you know, regardless of what the details are. But there's going to be a lot there. Do you think there are any yes, but voices out there in relation to this? I mean, definitely. I think, as I mentioned before, there are there are some aspects that 
we know the government's response is unlikely to touch upon. And so we will actually be that that yes but right. voice. I think particularly around stuff like support for children in the kinship care where, you know, the review just didn't really have anything to, to say on it. Um, and some of the things that we've been campaigning for, particularly as part of this value all love campaign is um, to think about equalising some of the support that's available for children who are looked after um, with those who are growing up in kinship care as well. Um, and that's not to say, you know, the system is, is perfect in any way for, for children who are looked after, but they have some statutory rights that aren't available to the majority of children in kinship care that we think it would make sense to match up, people premium plus, virtual school support, etc. So, you know, in some respects, I think in the detail, we will be that that yes, but voice and quite rightly right. so. Um, I think in other aspects, there will always be those for whom the idea, especially around giving financial support for kinship carers, is going to feel uncomfortable um, for the reasons that we spoke about last time around. Yeah, but this is just something that families should do. They should be stepping up. And I think actually we, we've been quite pleased with seeing some, um, I think particularly kind of, conservative MPs for whom actually you know the ideology around financially supporting families directly will feel quite uncomfortable that that, yeah. that kind of ideology suggests so who have you know stood up actually in you know in the Commons chamber or in the Westminster Hall debate and said actually you know the, there's a real conservative case for kinship care and for financially supporting families because the alternative actually would the cost us cost, cost the state much much more and it would mean that we are getting involved actually you know state intervention in family life could possibly be even more sort of invasive and extreme at a much later stage and you know that's realistically where we are still in a in a government that is uh conservative run and those kind of arguments are going to be important if we're looking to to make a case to, to make his apartment and elsewhere over sort of certainly the next 18 months or so it's just struck oh. me from what you said there, and, and I hadn't thought about this before. Obviously, kinship um, carers, SGOs now have a platform um, and a voice to be able to share that. Um, and I'm thinking back to you know when, um, well, in adopt within adoption, actually, to be fair, um, you know, parents were always the ones that were able to advocate for you know we're the ones that go up the dfe um to kind of get our points across and stuff um and of late that's become more um you know there's, there's obviously a, a larger focus on the children within the cohort where al and i adopted are now you know, have their voice as well I mean, is that ready within ship next year or is, is something that's going to come or yeah i mean you've been part become a obviously really passionate about the voices of young people as well because that's something that become really does well um so you must have brought that with you i would expect <laughs> yeah i mean it's a really good question obviously like just historically from my work i'm i absolutely fundamentally believe in sort of young people's experiences and voices and you know have a real passion i guess still for, for young people actually even if i'm currently working in a charity which predominantly works with those caring for young people as well i mean we've got a really exciting project that my colleague joe is running actually with a group of young kinship care experienced people in north london thinking about kind of bringing those together um about and particularly thinking about campaigning you know what it is locally or nationally they might want to be pushing for i i think there's and i've thought about this quite a lot and actually I listened to the episode that you had with Dr. Paul Shuttleworth, which is sort of one of my favourites, if I can fanboy the podcast really briefly. Um, because, you, you know, he... Allowed. <laughs> um, because, you know, he writes and has spoken quite a lot around this idea of kind of identity for, for kin, children and kinship care. Yeah. You know, they don't necessarily see themselves as being in care in the same way. You're not told that you're looked after, you're a child in care, because actually you're just living with Nan. Mm. And, you know, it, that kind of sense of identity formation and solidarity potentially is is very, it looks very different, I think, in kinship care to how it looks for children yeah. in care, for whom yeah. you've got statutory participation structures, you've got a children in care council. And so I think that there is a, there's both an opportunity and a challenge with that, I suppose, in terms of thinking about how people recognise themselves as being in kinship care whether they want to see that or whether they don't and then how that is then expressed I think especially as they grow up and want to kind of champion and campaign for changes and I guess one of the things that we have to do as an organization is be sort of sensitive enough to people's different wants and needs and experiences of how they want to use that identity or not how they want to embrace it or not um but at the same point recognize that yeah absolutely there is a there is a need for us to 
listen to those who have grown up and we're fortunate again to have you know some young adults who have been growing up in kinship care who have helped us steer our campaigns and have been involved who have actually had we um when we launched the campaign in parliament they spent hours talking with mps in the room um yeah about that about their own kind of experiences and you know it can be incredibly articulate sorry i, I kind of mm. hate use the word articulate it's actually when we talk about yeah, this sometimes yeah. um so forgive us for that but like you know really really expert voices and mm. um, in, in ways they may not have sort of originally thought themselves as yeah. being if that makes sense yeah, yeah. and certainly and there is there's quite a lot of kind of <laughs> high profile um adults who've been yeah. looked after by grandparents and stuff even you know mm. last couple of years you know thinking yeah. offhand people who performed in the olympics and stuff like that so it's a Absolutely, really yeah. you know it's, it's it's now seems right that you know it's focused on like i was saying but also for you know for people like that to mm. come forward to be able to say yes this was me and you know yes it wasn't easy and yes you know but look what i have achieved through the support of you know that and i guess that the other thing i was thinking as well was that the kind of you know obviously the asf is available for or you know for special guardian kinship um and i think it's sometimes hard to forget that you know these children might need levels of support that um you know and, and the same as adopted children really where they might need some therapy or some you know but in the same token not everybody would want to take part in that yeah definitely yeah because mm -hmm. i was going to ask um well i'll just reflect that obviously we, we did have paul shuttleworth on and um in the autumn of last year we had um michelle natras who was mm -hmm. a special guardian herself um to her grandchild and um, but she's doing a phd on you know some of the challenges and experiences around contact and it yeah. seems to me like that we're starting to see beyond kind of this this kind of blanket idea of sgos and you know kinship it seems to be we're starting to really dig into some of the specific issues in a way that we've never done before is that is that something you're seeing is that something that kinship are driving really to develop a knowledge base around that i think so and i think that's it, that is really important especially in the context of things like the independent review of children's social care's recommendations and the way that actually a lot of support from you know government and local authorities is generally restricted to those who have a particular legal order when the child is a legal order and um again i think especially given the sort of evidence that that we've collected through all kind of surveys of kinship carers and through that that's kind of academic or great literature as well that suggests that you know by and large actually we're talking about the same children sometimes literally you know the very same children who have mm. been through kinship foster care and now in special guardianship who have you know been in care returned to live with the family and then have gone into some form of kinship care and there is a real problem with the way that generally we have sort of assessed and treated and thought about families as being very sort of distinct and discreet from one another um despite actually the kind of journeys and experiences of those children looking really really similar across all of those mm. different types so i think um yeah we, we're obviously really as an organization have been really keen to kind of embrace kinship care in all its different forms and kind of give each one the sort of attention and recognition it deserves i think we obviously have a, have a challenge with particularly reaching those who are informal kinship carers because by nature they are less visible because of the lack of local you know engagement with local authorities for often for quite sort of you know obvious and kind of reasonable reasons um but we need to make sure that their experiences and voices are just as kind of influential in terms of how services and policies are directed at, at kinship carers as, as others. And I think, um, again, sort of, yeah, thinking about some of the recommendations that are being made by the, that were made by the review that the government had been considering around financial support or kinship care leave for special guardians or those with child arrangements orders where the child would otherwise be in care. And then if we look at some of the evidence we've got from, say, the What Work Centre around the over-representation of children from Black and minoritized ethnic backgrounds and informal arrangements, you know, there's a big question there for us around, well, what's the equality's impact of a recommendation then that says, actually, this is only going to be for this group of carers or children? That's going to yeah. disproportionately miss a, a bunch of, of children from Black and minoritized ethnic backgrounds. And, yeah. you know, I think that's, often when we think about 
these different kind of silos and these different forms of kinship care, the kind of knock-on consequences of doing so can can you know be absolutely enormous. Um yeah. Excellent. Interesting. Well, it is. We've used up loads and loads of your time, Sam. We've done about ooh, 40 minutes there, Dead. Um, Sam, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything that we haven't asked you that you wanted to say? Oh, um, I don't think so. No, I think that was a, no, a really good combo. Is there anything well, you've said that you wish you hadn't? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, no. I just, sorry, I couldn't answer your special guardianship reference group question. Is, uh, That's I just, right. I'm no, good. no, it's uh, I've sent a message to Lucy. It's fine. It's in your next <laughs> review. <It's> like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not even joking. Obviously um, not. Obviously no, not. No. So, well, Sam, so thank you so much. And we're looking forward to kind of the next few days and weeks and see how this sort of pans out and sort of turns into some actual tangible yes, recommendations. Absolutely. Of course, we've then got Labour are going to come and hopefully be on your side. <laughs> have you have you been have you been bribing Labour to just push through the, the special oh, guidance? It's not a good question but, uh, now. <laughs> we will not be actually, we had uh, Bridget Phillips in this shadow secretary of state our campaign section and say that Labour will not forget kinship carers, which was um, which was great to hear. So, no, we've been really pleased with um, yeah engagement from yeah. From I think I mean, to be fair, I think Labour really supportive of any child in care. Really, uh, you know, we've yeah. seen like you know all the all the campaigns that have happened over the last maybe five ten years, and certainly Labour are the ones that stand up and, and actually you know put up a fight. So yeah, I think we can be. We'd be safe in the hands, I reckon, to a point. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll see, yeah. We'll see. Um, hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to draw you up in the rocks of politics, even though we tried. Nope. Um, Sam, thank you so much for your time. Look after yourself and uh, wrap up warm, because I know you're in the northeast. And, uh, you know... Put your big coat on. <laughs> yeah, don't go out without your gloves on and look after yourself. Thank you both. Appreciate it. I shall press...